Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today we have a massive episode for you all. Sportsnet color analyst Sam Cosentino. You might recognize him from doing the NHL right now, junior hockey, um, now and back in the day. Sam, thanks so much for joining the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome. We're going to be talking mainly some World Juniors today. We're going to be touching on some other stuff um, because you covered a one-of-a-kind draft as well as you're doing NHL now, the transition from junior to NHL, what that's kind of like. But first off, let's get into the uh, Canadian World Junior roster. Um, Is there sort of a player... So we have our, our returning players from last year, but is there a player that we didn't see last year that you're really excited to watch for this year on Team Canada? Well, I think one guy who's going to be a really interesting guy, and I don't know if he's going to make the team or not, but Miguel Tournier plays in uh, in Blainville, Boisbriand. He's just uh, lit the league on fire this year. And, you know, he's gone through the draft. He's been to some camps. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of those smaller right shot D who really moves well, but has such an offensive flair to his game that he's going to be a really interesting guy for me. He reminds me a little bit of Lucas Cormier, who I think people know is a Vegas pick, plays in Charlottetown. But, like, when it comes to Tournier, he's a little bit more, I don't know, I guess he's a little bit more well-known, if you will, or a guy that, uh, you know, is, is seemingly, you know, on the rise. So he'd be one guy that I'd be really, uh, really interested in seeing as well. Um, I would think that, uh, oh, geez, if I'm just kind of going through my list a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe a guy like uh, Luke Evangelista, I think, is, is someone who's really kind of come out of nowhere, second-round pick Nashville. I projected him to go in the first in his draft. It didn't work out that way, obviously, but, um, you know, that 2020 draft was pretty interesting in and of itself. So he'd be another guy that uh, I know has had a good year in, in London and uh, really excited to see how he fares. Yeah, that's a good one there, um, for sure. So w- there are a couple, couple first-round picks out of Michigan coming to to uh, the Team Canada this year. I, I see them almost as locks, and that being Kent Johnson, the Columbus uh, Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick, as well as Owen Power. Um, what can they sort of bring to the team, do you think, from from your viewings of, of both of these players? Well, they're, I mean, they're both really amazing players. I mean, Kent has such a flair for the offensive side of the game. He is really, really super dynamic, and so that's going to play perfectly into what Canada's looking to do in terms of playing fast, uh, you know, uh, moving pucks quickly, the small area game. He's perfectly suited for that. And Nolan Power, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to see him not being the, the top defenseman there. Um, you know, maybe maybe Gooley's in that spot uh, because he's a returning guy and he's a big guy and he's been around. But, man, um, Owen Power – he does everything well for a big man. He skates so well. He's off to an unbelievable start at Michigan. And I do think that there are are some concerns in terms of, you know, they're, they're playing in Michigan. They didn't really let them go last year because they would have missed so much time. Uh, That time is probably mitigated a little bit, but you know, there are still certain rules you have to follow when you're crossing the border and so on and so forth. So we'll see, uh, you know, in terms of the vaccination and all that stuff, if it all kind of comes together, Typically, these things are, are helped moved forward and facilitated by Hockey Canada. So I don't expect too many bumps in the road. But, it, it you know, I do, we do have to be mindful as to, to what happened last year. And again, I understood that there's, you know, no um, vaccinations at that time. But still, we should still be mindful of it when players are coming across the border. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, last year it was 
kind of crazy. He was invited to camp, and then to see a guy that was projected to go at the time, I want to say top three, and then just not be able to attend Canadian World Junior Camp just because like because of school and all of that. That was that was crazy. But uh, glad to see. I think that the vaccinations will definitely help to mitigate that risk. But yeah, to to not if we don't get those two, that'd be. <laughs> that would just absolutely suck, for lack of a better word. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two really good players, and they should oh. they should be anchors in their respective spots for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the guys who are currently in the NHL and, and one in the AHL. Do you think there's any chance that, as of right now, I know it's hard to say it's still a little early, but specifically Jamie Drysdale or Cole Sillinger get loaned? Because I, I don't. I don't see how those guys get loaned out. I don't think either one of them. I think Jamie's really just become one of those. Uh, he's just become an NHL player. And Cole continues to make that case night in and night out. And they've talked about getting him back to Medicine Hat. And, you know, he's got the, the nine games. Well, okay, we're done with that. We'll get him back. But he's just playing too well. And, you know, it's pretty interesting. He's playing on a line with Jacob Voracek, uh, Jacob Voracek and, uh, and Igor Chinnikov, another first-rounder uh, that Columbus had a couple of years ago in the draft. So, you know, it shows um, that he can play with really good players. It shows that Vorchek's the leader on the line, but it also shows that he's in a very prominent position in Brad Larson's lineup. So I don't think he's going anywhere either, and that could be somewhat problematic for uh, for Team Canada not getting those two, but uh, I wouldn't expect either one of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hope Ottawa enjoys uh, Jake Sanderson because they're really missing out on a tremendous player in Jamie Drysdale there. What a... My opinion, what a whiff by them. But yeah, those are the two we had listed down, but in the doubtful kind of range simply because they're both playing so well so far. But one big name that we had on this list that I don't know how well, how much knowledge you would have of it, but Quinton Byfield, we saw him break his ankle earlier in the year. Do you think they, Canada gets him back in time or will LA kind of want him uh, to stay there. What do you think about that one? Well, I think they'd want him to play, you know, especially with the time missed and the timeline for returning the injury is going to be right around that time when, when camp starts. So for me, if you're going to take Quentin, you know, obviously it'd be his, his third time around and that experience is irreplaceable. And you'd have to be certain that he's ready to participate fully in camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that will likely be the case. The timeline is right in that, border so you know if he can participate fully in camp and get back up to game speed then then obviously he's going to be a big piece but i don't see any reason why la you know they're going pretty good right now um you know so they could extend the time and and really use hockey canada and that experience to get him back up to speed and then make have to make a decision on him you know two to three weeks later as opposed to to the minute he comes back so I'd be great for Canada. I'd be great for Q. I'd love to see him just be on that team and take a leadership role. Um, and I think the timing is really, really close. Let's hope there's no setbacks. Yeah, that would be such a tremendous player to have. I mean, we saw him have his moments last year. A little bit unlucky, I felt, at times. I don't think his overall production kind of matched the chances he was generating. But another, he's a fantastic player we got there. Uh, was there anyone on for team Canada that you feel is on the bubble that you think, you know, deserves a little bit more respect uh, from the, like just public or people, uh, fans and, and such. 
well, one guy that I just watched him play last week in Winnipeg is Carson Lambos. And, you know, everyone knows him because he's a, you know, he's a guy that uh, was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. But when, when I look at this guy, uh, I, I think he is just fantastic. Now he had a, a medical issue last year. He had a procedure done uh, before the draft, which didn't allow him to participate in the under 18s, but watching him the other day, he was just running the show in Winnipeg. So they have the best team in the CHL. He's probably the best defenseman on their team. Maybe, well, arguably their best player altogether. Uh, but I think he's a guy that probably because uh, he didn't play in the 18s and because of the medical procedure, people just don't know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to his 16-year-old year, he was he was really good. And I would have that expectation that uh, he'd be a guy that's really going to make a lot of noise and open a lot of eyes uh, when they get to camp. Do you, do you think Carson, this is kind of jumping around topics, but do you think Carson Lambos is like a perfect example of a player who probably suffered from no CHL hockey or limited CHL action last year? Well, it was interesting because he, he did play in a couple of games. He went overseas and played and was playing okay over there. And then he got back and played a couple of games, but the medical procedure didn't allow him to, to go any further. So if you're looking... You know, of course, playing no games, regardless of any any circumstance, is difficult. But even if we were in a regular season format, based on the on the injury that he had, he wouldn't. I don't think he would have been able to play anyhow. Uh, so it's at that point whether he's playing because they didn't play as much or playing because he was injured, it didn't really matter. He just he wasn't playing. So uh, of course, uh, you know, you would consider that a detriment for for Carson. But he's back. He's 100% healthy, and he's he's doing everything right now for Winnipeg. So that's a good sign. Very true. Very true. Um, I wanted to get into the goaltending with Team Canada a little bit right now. So last year, to start it off, to last year going into that camp, I felt Canada really lacked in the goaltending position. They were, I mean, they were a globetrotter team everywhere else. But I felt like, but in in the net, they had I think it was Brett Brochu. They had Taylor Gauthier, who ended up making the team. They had Devin Levi and Dylan Garon, the New York Rangers draft pick. None of them really the highest pedigree players, but we saw Devin Levi play very well. This year, I mean, I feel like you got the two best goalies in the WHL on uh, that are going to be invited to camp for sure. What can you tell us about Canada's goaltending situation right now? Well, I love Garan. He's having an awesome year on a really good team in Kamloops. Uh, so he's... He would be, to me, the guy I would project as the number one right now. But having said that, Brochu, man, I think he set a, a London record for number of wins, um, consecutive wins. So he's a smaller guy. He's a battler. He's not your typical program of excellence guy where he's you know been through the ringer and has that, that great technical side to his game. He's just a, a guy who can stop pucks. I, I really like him. And then Sebastian Kosa, I think, yeah. You'd be hard pressed not to take him. He's just he he hasn't really had any let up at any point in his career uh, to this point. A little bit of a slide here for Edmonton of late, but he's he's on the case, and you know he has the size. So I look at Garan as the likely starter. Kosa is the backup who'll probably get some games, and then it's a bit wide open. You know Tristan Lennox. He hasn't really been the same since he was 16 years old. Bjorklund is a, a big guy who's got some. Um, some abilities playing a medicine hat and, and brochure might end up being that third guy and, and being rewarded for, you know, uh, for having come to camp last year. And I think by the way, that, that might 
help him. You know, he's gone through it. He's been cut, uh, motivated. He knows what to expect going to camp. So that probably gives him a little bit of a leg up on the others for what I would consider the third spot. Yeah, I thought he would he was going to make it over Taylor Gauthier last year. I was very surprised, but you mentioned Brochure is absolutely not one of those program of excellence guys. If I'm not correct, he played junior C in his 16-year-old year, I believe. Yeah, he did. That's right. Yeah. And uh, just like an unknown path. like for people that don't know, like nobody plays junior C and then goes on to have a pro career or uh, right? So that's that's very interesting and it's cool that you you brought him up in that you had so much praise for him to be the third goaltender there. Uh, Kosa being the second goalie, that's quite interesting. I've seen him more than Garant, so, but Sebastian Kosa, just the size and the speed on this guy, I, I find is just incredible. So, pretty Yeah, good. buddy, you're a goalie. You should be able to assess the goalies, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. When I, I first saw Kosa, I was just amazed by that, but that's a fantastic duo they got there. And, I mean, if one kind of slips up. I mean, you got the other one right there to to take over the reins. So it's awesome to hear you have a, a good goaltending duo. I always like one of those, right? So um, moving on here with some other names that we got. Uh, you mentioned earlier the Winnipeg Ice and how they have a fantastic team there. So transitioning into the draft eligibles that could be, you know, on the on the long list for Team Canada's camp, what can you tell us about Matthew Savoy from the Winnipeg Ice? Yeah, he, he does everything at pro pace, like his speed, his back check. Uh, he shoots the puck, uh, you know, with a pro-like release. Got an excellent one-timer. Doesn't shoot it enough, in my opinion. Passes the puck like he's a pro. So he gets around. He's an awesome point producer. If he's not tied for the league lead in scoring, he's surely not far behind. So I think he has a real good chance of getting invited to this camp. And I think he... You know, he might be one of those guys that you look at as your 13th forward, and all of a sudden you're able to play him, you know, more than that and, and vault him up the lineup a little bit. So big, big fan of his. We've been hearing about him for a long time. You know, I think he's a top 10 NHL pick this year, and, and for good reason because there's a lot of things that he can do well. You know, the one knock against him, he's not the biggest guy, and I think that's that's the one knock. But for a tournament format like this, he's he's perfectly suited. Agreed, agreed. And so what do you think, moving on to a different draft eligible, but not immediately this year, we got Connor Bedard. We saw him at a very young age come in and absolutely light the U18s on fire. Do you think he's uh, closer to a lock for Team Canada this year? Well, yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, what's going to be really interesting about this group all told is how many guys are going to be released and how many are not. And that's going to be a big determinant in some of those other guys that we looked at as being bubble guys or kind of sitting on the edge and so on and so forth. So that's a, that's a huge thing. And it's not a small list of guys. So, you know, you're probably thinking that some of your AHL guys are going to go, but you know, you, you mentioned Sillinger, you look at Seth Jarvis, like that list is it's big. Yeah. So what, what's going to be what's going to be left after that? So if it doesn't have an impact on the particular player making the team, it may have a, a very significant impact on where they they're placed in the lineup, right? So again, there's so much to be determined there, and all those conversations are being had daily, um, you know. But really, if you go down the list, think about all the guys, whether it's 
Wisdom, you got uh, Perfetti, you got uh, McTavish, the two guys you mentioned in, in uh, Drysdale and Sillinger. You got Seth Jarvis. Like that's a big list of guys that that potentially will not be available to you. So the, all that has to kind of play itself out and we'll get a better determination for sure. Yeah, we had seven listed here. And then Zade Wisdom, I saw he was injured. I'm not sure when he's coming back, but that'd be another fantastic power forward to have up in that group. So eight guys in the AHL right now. And like you got to think Jacob Perot is is having a very good season. Cole Perfetti's right on the bubble for Winnipeg there. So uh, that's very true in terms of locks. Like how can you lock someone in when you got all these guys that are, you know, up in the in the big leagues right now? But yeah, that's just it. I know uh, wisdom. I think it was a shoulder issue. I remember talking to the to the Philly guys at the start of the year, and so it prohibited him from going to camp for sure. And it was, I think, it was a long term thing, and I can't remember if it was going to include the time through the World Juniors. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, that'd be someone fantastic. I mean, older guy, but you'd still love him in the the bottom half of your lineup, or even the top half. You know. Winning those puck battles and and on, off the 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 four check there, but there was one guy. I mean, let's just gush over him. Future first overall pick, Shane Wright. What can you tell us about him? Well, he's he's poised to do good things. He's poised to maybe even potentially play in a in the leadership role for this group. Again, depending on some of the players that we've talked about, who might not be or will be available. So. He does everything well. He does everything in a pro style. I mean, the way he carries carries and conducts himself away from the rink and in the media is very professional. Um, you know, the skating, no problem there. Shoots the puck a ton, can win draws, can be pushed over to the wing if you really need him to do that. So he has that versatility. But I don't know, Shane Wright, there's, there's nothing in the game that he can't do. So I'd expect him to play a, a major role for this group. Is it surprising this year that like his goal total isn't that high, but he's got a ton of assists or. Yeah, I know there's a lot of concern about, about what's happened in terms of his points, but I spoke to Luca Caputi, the coach in Kingston, maybe two, three weeks ago. And he said, listen, come sit down and, and watch some tape with me and, and let's just look at the details in his game and you won't be worried at all about Shane Wright. So I trust Luca. He's one of the great young coaches in our game. Um, you know, I trust his commentary when he says that. Um, and if I know Shane, if, if, and when the time comes where he needs to turn it up a notch in that department, there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be able to do that basically on demand. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Just can do it all pretty much. I really like his shot. His shot was one thing. In oh, his 15 yeah. year old year, 15 years old in the OHL, just ripping pox on goaltenders there a couple years older than him. But my last draft eligible I had here, Adam Fantilli, I know he's a, uh, eligible next year do you think he's going to be in consideration he's having a very good year in the ushl there yeah he is and i think you'd you'd probably have to look at him but i think maybe more so than anybody his uh you know invitation to camp is going to be based on on who's available and who's not so if we look at that you know list is what eight or nine guys that we talked about and six of them are not available to come because they're with their respective AHL slash NHL teams, then Fentilli probably has a chance. But if that list is down to three, four guys, then I think Fentilli's on the on the outside looking in. But he's extremely talented. I mean, go back to his, to his under-16 days, 
you know, was obviously very talented, chose to, to follow his brother along the path to go to Chicago and then eventually to Michigan. So can't blame the guy for wanting to do that. Right. And, uh, but overall he, he's skilled enough to play in this group. I think if the current group constructed as it is, where just about everybody shows up then he's probably not going to get, um, you know, an invite. Um, but if that group is shortened because of those guys in the American league of the NHL, then, then definitely there's a chance there. Yeah, committed to Michigan for next year. Finally, Michigan was able to land a, a big-name hockey player. <laughs> Jeez. Nice. <laughs> but in terms of Team Canada, Josh, Jason, do you guys have any other comments there, questions? The only question I would have, and it's probably too early to you know compare the talent on this team to previous years, obviously, because we don't know who will be there. But like in an early look, what do you think about the, the group for this year? I, I like. It seems like the goaltending will probably be – as strong or stronger than it's been and we've had good goalies but in terms of like the raw talent of the the top two goalies there is that fair to say well i like that i, I really like i like dylan a lot i got to meet him a couple of years ago at the prospects game I'm a big 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 fan of his so you know haven't gone through it uh, last year and, and you know fighting for the net would have been challenging but he'll be comfortable and he'll be ready to go and that you know camps is a really good team and a big reason for that is is his play so far so and Kosa, again, I got to know him a little bit uh, through the Hockey Gives Blood program uh, that I advocate for. And, and um, again, you can't really go wrong with him and, and his size and his track record uh, right now is, is really difficult to beat. So I agree. I, I, I do think the goaltending is going to be a strength for Canada. And regardless of who, you know, that, that third guy is going to be, if it's Brochure, if it's Yorkland, whatever the case might be, or someone else that's maybe – had a year that they're that they've scouted from the start of the year, but yeah, I, I do believe it to be a strong suit. Awesome, awesome. I got a question from uh, Jeffrey Long, and he was asking which unsuspecting country could surprise this year. Do you have any? Well, yeah, about? probably Slovakia. They they're they're good. They're young. You know, it's a team that uh, won the Helenka Gretzky. Um, you know, Canada did not participate in that, and that's typically when they have their best under eighteen team, but. I think that they may be poised for an upset or two based on the young talent. They have a couple of guys two, maybe as many as four uh, going the first round of this year's draft. So a big, uh, you know, big year for the, for the Slovaks for sure. And having tournament ex- experience with some of the guys that'll be on their team will, will definitely be helpful. So that would be a team that I would uh, keep an eye on. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I know Martin Kromiak from uh, Kingston. He's, he's an O2 born. So he'll be a big part of that team. That's an interesting pick. Wow. It's a very good one too. Um, I had one other other country kind of question for the World Juniors. Uh, this comes from my buddy Dave. He's a big Sens fan. He was asking about uh, Jake Sanderson. He said, when drafted, it did not seem like he was known for his offense or even had potential offensive upside. However, this year, he's got 15 points in 11 games, including six goals. Do you think his offensive ability can translate to the NHL? I do. I think his entire game translates to the NHL. And if you go back, I mean, I projected him to be ahead of Drysdale. Um, I think I projected him in the, in the right spot uh, with Ottawa. Uh, they got a lot of young defensemen, so there was really no rush for him to sign and give him an opportunity to experience what the college life is all about. But you're seeing Jacob Bernard, Docker, and, and Lassie Thompson start to make their way into the lineup for that depleted Ottawa team partially due to the COVID protocols, but also, you know, good opportunity for those guys to get into some games. So 
I, I think Jake, when if and when he signs, is, is a guy who I think transitions right to the NHL and probably doesn't look back. I feel that strongly about his game. And it really started in the second half of his, of his last year with the U.S. Under-18 program where he really made his mark at the start of the year as a stay-at-home stalwart guy who would break pucks out and, and give you some power play time, but didn't really um, wow you with his offensive skills, probably more because he had took it upon himself to play the, the D side because that's what his team required at the time. And as the team went on, I think they realized he realized that he was going to have to accept more of, a, of an offensive role in order to help his team because that was an area in which they were lacking. So his second-half numbers were actually pretty good i think they were going on a pretty good run there from feb one on if you know if i can remember correctly um but at that point it spelled to me that he was going to be able to bring a good two-way game to the table and i still feel really strongly about his um his potential to do so uh i i love the player i think he's going to be a long long time nhler and i think he's going to be a you know a, a top pairing guy for ottawa down the road wow do you see him signing with ottawa next year or is it a wait and see kind of? Well, I, I think it's, let's see what happens with, with UND there, how far they go. But I, I can't see him going back for another year. I would say he probably plays as far as he can play this year. You know, if they go to, to an NCAA championship, if they go to the Frozen Four and, you know, an opportunity to win there with what's a pretty good team in, in UND. And then I see him coming out after his uh, season is done there, signing and, and probably not looking back after that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so last kind of World Juniors question I had here. Uh, what can you tell us about Sarnia Sting forward Ty Voigt? Yeah, so he, he's an interesting guy. He's, he's having a good year so far. He's up over a point per game, leaning a little bit on the on the assist side compared to the goal side. But he's a guy... Uh, it's funny because I got a call in the summer from Colby Armstrong, one of my colleagues over at Sportsnet, and he said, yeah, I've been sp- skating with these guys in Pittsburgh, and there's this guy, Ty Voigt, like, I don't know, he seems to be he seems to be really good. He seems to be kind of a, at, a, at a level above the rest of the guys that I've been skating here. And I said, oh, yeah. So, you know, I'll take Colby's word on that as a, as a guy that, that he really liked. And, uh, again, he's, um, you, know, you know, playing on a team that's – good but not great sometimes you can stick out in those situations but you also have to earn your ice in doing so so when i look at ty i think uh i just harken back to the words uh, given to me by my colleague um you know um uh, colby armstrong and and feel pretty positively about uh, about what he's done so unfortunately last year was a real challenge for him i think he played in that tournament if i'm not uh, mistaken um but you're talking about a guy that had enough currency going back to a 16-year-old year, you know, a right shot guy, skilled guy, um, enough to be taken, you know, taken by the Leafs. Um, and maybe Colby had a little bit to do with that. So, um, I don't know. I, I just I just look at him as a guy who, um, you know, needs a little bit of time to catch up from missing out on a year last year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Leafs legend Colby Armstrong is that much pull in the organization. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that's for sure, but you know, when you're, when you're going scouting, you want to unearth every, every possible rock you can find. And so, you know, it's a small world in the NHL and guys talk to each other all the time. And, and I'm sure someone would have approached Colby at some point about him. Of course. Of course. That's interesting though, that he has that, uh, he was able to get that close of a look with him. Um, so I think that covers everything for the world juniors talk. We just want to get into a couple quick questions outside of that you were a, you you were on the panel for 
you know, a pandemic NHL draft, something that we're not going to see ever again. <laughs> Knock on wood. But how was the, how was it, what was it like covering these past two drafts, I want to say? And in uh, the draft panel on ESPN, what was that like? Yeah. So I'll go back to the one two years ago in 2020. Berkey was still with us. So I really enjoyed working with, with Brian. We got along well and he was a, you know, he was a good leaning post and, and, you know, as a guy in his position, he did more than his fair share of work. So I was really appreciative of that. Um, and you get Merrick and Elliot and, and Mike Fuda is a guy I've known for a long time and he brought his expertise to the table. So that was, it was cool working with that group of people but you always want to be in the rink, right? You always want to get the feeling and being in the rink and being able to be social and get into the bar and talk to people, agents, coaches, GMs, scouts, whatever the case might be. And that wasn't afforded uh, to us the last two years, obviously. So um, in terms of just the group and, and having some control over things and, you know, with the NHL doing a great job getting cameras everywhere, like that was, that was a really neat experience. And then this year, um, it was entirely different on one hand, because I was kind of the lone ranger from Sportsnet. Uh, but on the other hand, I'd been working with a familiar group. It was, it was a lot of the people from the NHL network that actually produced the show, the behind the scenes guys um, with, you know, ESPN talent and John Butchcross and, and Kevin Weeks, who I've known for, for a long time. So again, that was a super cool experience. We had Emily Kaplan out there as well. She's gone on to, to great things with ESPN and, you know, doing a wonderful job there and breaking stories and so on and so forth. And we did have Elliot as well, but uh, that was a great experience. Jeff Gorton, I got to meet him. He was just, he was awesome. Like just an awesome guy to work with. Um, so I, I love the experience again, working with the group of people, but anytime you're at a draft, uh, you know, the lifeblood of the draft is the people you see, the people you get to talk to and socialize and, Hopefully we'll be back to that normalcy in Montreal in July. And I mean, for people that haven't been to a draft also, I, I don't know how much you want to comment on this, but when the kids get picked, you can actually see their reactions. And like, it's not the most ecstatic jump out of your seat for all these kids, especially guys that go in like the end of second, third round that thought they were going to go in the first. So to miss out on that, I thought was kind of, you know, not great, but yeah, you want to see the reaction. So I, you know, on one hand for a lot of the kids, it was probably pretty cool because even in the pandemic, they sort of got to share it with family and friends in one spot. Right. Yeah. And on the other hand, you, you want that, you know, Gary Batman in the picture and all that kind of stuff. Right. That goes along with that once in a lifetime experience. So, you know, uh, bittersweet, I guess, for a lot of those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a cool thing that if you're sitting in the stands and the name's called, you kind of hear the cheering in one section of the building and you, your eyes are drawn towards that. And then you, then, you know, you kind of see how the, the elation and the joy in the family's faces. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, did you have, yeah, I just wanted to like maybe get a behind the scenes on like during that ESPN draft, for example, like Tyler Boucher goes in the top 10. I don't think a lot of people expected that. Right. What's your reaction when something like a pick like that goes down in the top 10 where, Maybe people didn't expect. Well, I had him going at 14 to the Rangers. So I was, I was in the range and pretty well aware that he was going to be a guy that, that would have surprised a lot of people. Uh, I, I'd done my work on him uh, quite a bit um, and talked to some people that really gave me the indication that that was going to be uh, a likelihood that he'd go inside a 15. So I wasn't surprised by that entirely. I was more surprised by Igor Chinnikov a couple of years ago. I think the, the, 
the video went viral and we, we touched on it again last night on Sportsnet when I was in there uh, doing our stuff with the panel, which was, uh, you know, that was pretty, pretty funny moment. That was completely off the board for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a little bit uh, of a different scenario. But yeah, man, when, when that stuff happens, you, you know, I just tried to, to react as honestly as you possibly could. Um, and it turned out to be a good laughing moment for us. That's for sure. And we had some fun with it, which was cool. Uh, and then we kind of got back down to business. So those things are going to happen every once in a while. They, they tend to happen a little bit more maybe on, on day two than, than day one. Um, but you, you be, you know, I, I try and study for 50 guys for 32 spots. Mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my goal and then, and then i have a lot of knowledge of what i project to be the second and third rounders based on me working with any network typically on day two so you're, you're doing your due diligence on a number of guys um but you really hone down in that top 50 that you expect to go in the first round and chinnikov was not in that group and uh and luckily boucher was for me yeah that's true I, I do want to bring up a quick draft memory. It was the 2016 draft year. Everyone had Yessi Pugliarvi going number three, except for you. And you were getting some backlash about that. Like, what do you mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois at this spot? And you said, no, 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 watch. And then we were at the draft and just the silence of the entire crowd was was pretty funny. But the first thing I thought of was Sam Cos had that predi- uh, prediction right there. That was hilarious, though. You remember that one? I sure do. And I remember taking a lot of heat. I mean, I'm not a big online guy, but I know there was a lot out there in some forums about this guy's crazy and doesn't know what he's talking about. And and that's fine. Like I, I don't really pay attention to that stuff anyways. I mean, I know the work that I do. I know the connections that I have, uh, you know, I, I trust my own eyes are, are pretty good and they've been trained a lot over the last seven, eight years to, you know, to kind of get, get it right. So that particular incident, I'll tell you the backstory behind is we were in Buffalo at the combine. I was working with John Shannon on that draft and John, Darren uh, Millard and I were in a meeting with uh, Yarmo Kekalainen and it was kind of an informal thing where we just stumbled upon him walking down to one of the dressing rooms that were set up for interviews. And I guess NHL network had had been interviewing him and he was walking out and we were going down to say hello, more John than myself. I didn't know Yarmo at the time. And we just got to talking and I never got the sense that he was in love with, uh, with Paul Yarvey and he didn't come out and say it. He, but just kind of the line of questioning and taking a step back and reading between the lines and all that sort of stuff just led me to believe that that wasn't the direction he wanted to go. And everyone thought, well, he's finished. So the Finnish GM is going to take him. But by the same token, the Finnish GM probably has the best due diligence done on that player. And obviously there was something there that he, he didn't like. And uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was the guy uh, that I th- thought was going to be next in line anyway. So I just kind of flip-flopped him. And as it turns out, both are, are pretty good players. I mean, it's taken Pugliarvi a little bit longer. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, starting to come into his own in, in Winnipeg now. But uh, I think both are really good players. And, and to be honest with you, you'd probably want to have either one of them in your lineup. Exactly, exactly. So it's not just scouting. It's, it's investigative journalism there for your for your position yeah just kind of that was kind of a lucky one to be honest with you i just uh kind of went with my gut instinct on on that one based on the conversation that we'd had awesome awesome i I did have one other part here so you're doing nhl games now uh what's it like working with uh uh you you were working recently with uh harnarayan singh i hope i got that one correctly i think i was pretty close on that one uh what's it like doing nhl games and and what's it like working with harnarayan singh 
Well, it was kind of cool for me because I hadn't done an NHL game in 17 years and eight months. So it was a long time coming. And my only other one was in uh, Montreal back in March 1st, 2004. It was a 3-2 win on a Jason Ward goal against Martin Brodeur at that time. Uh, and I hadn't worked one since. So this was kind of special. It was hockey in Canada. I mean, everyone knows the institution that that is. Um, so really cool to get that opportunity. It was funny because I'd, I'd known who Arne Ryan was, obviously, but I'd never had the opportunity to meet him. So he rolled into town. We went out for dinner that night with a couple of our other colleagues in Winnipeg, just so basically we could get to know each other. And uh, it was an unbelievable experience. He, he told me some stuff about his foray into broadcasting and how difficult it's been for him. I think most of that's outlined in his book. Um, but he's an amazing story. Awesome guy. Has young kids like me. So we had that in common. Um, and he just loves the game. And he, he does a really good job. So it's, it was really cool to, to do the game with him. Um, we had a real good laugh afterwards because there was a bit of a blooper in there. Uh, but I, I can't wait for the next time to, to, to work with him, to be honest with you. We just, we had a good time. We seemed to gel. I mean, I jumped on him a couple of times uh, by accident and speaking maybe out of turn or when I shouldn't have based on where the play was and that sort of thing. And I almost got him on the overtime goal and I apologized to him for it afterwards, but uh, yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy, man. He, I really enjoyed working with him and I think we both feel the same way about each other that uh, we hope the opportunity uh, comes up again. Yeah. Hopefully that's awesome though. But so how much is it like you do the color analyst and the play-by-play? How much is it like chemistry between the two to get a, a good product out there? Oh, yeah. It's, it, it takes a while. Like you have to, you know, a lot of my other partners, RJ Broadhead, I worked with him for, for nine years and yeah. Pete Lubardius uh, before that for six years. Um, and there's been a lot of other guys along the way, John Abbott and Dan Dunleavy, who's now in Buffalo. We worked together for a significant amount of time doing games in, in Brampton and Toronto and so it, it takes a while, um, you know, you, but the more you do outside of the game and away from the rink, the better you are. So we went to the morning skates together. We had dinner together. Um, we walked to the rink uh, together a couple of different, different times and that stuff just sparks conversation. So you get to know, get to know, you know, what the, what the guy's like, how he talks in terms of, Hey, here's, he's making this phrase and he's pausing then that, that would be a point in the game where I could jump in and I'm sure he's doing the same. So yeah, it, it takes a little while, but I thought to be honest with you, things went, went fairly smooth considering we'd only met each other the night before. So really a uh, really proud moment for me. Awesome to work with, uh, with singer and, and I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You don't quite realize that from like a fan's perspective, like, Oh, these two have to be, in sync you're like you're you're on your own team you got uh your pre-game warm-ups and and the walkthroughs and all that it's kind of funny to to think about it that way but uh, yeah well i mean you're still a team and and you know what you throw out there is is that's that's what's out there so you know you got to be you got to be mindful of that you never want to step on anyone's toes and it had been a while since i'd since i'd been in a in a booth on a regular basis so you know, you got to think about, hey, in the neutral zone, you can probably pipe in. On an icing, you can probably pipe in. But shut the hell up when it becomes overtime. And I, I learned that lesson again pretty quickly. It was reminded of that very quickly, uh, you know, when Shifley scored that game winner in overtime. Awesome. Yeah, well, we were actually watching that game. We watched the Leafs game and then kind of flipping back and forth and saw the overtime too. And I, Joe and I actually didn't originally realize you were doing color for the game we're like wow that's sam and he's we thought you did a really good job so i know you're saying maybe there was a mix-up but 
hopefully we'll get to hear more of you as well on NHL games because we thought uh, we thought you you two made a really good pair actually on Saturday night. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It was it was a lot of fun. So again, the opportunity arises. I would I would really look forward to working with Harn Ryan. But my next game will be with John Bartlett. He's a guy I've known back from his days, uh, you know, calling games in Barry. So that will be uh, that will be a good time too. Looking forward to that one as well. Awesome. I did have one last question here from uh, one of our, our listeners, Stu Mills. He was asking um, why we haven't seen uh, Alexis Lafreniere have the same dominance in the NHL as he did in the World Juniors, and if you expect a similar trend for a guy like Connor Bedard. Well, Bedard, he, he hasn't had quite the same time either, and things are a lot different than you know being stuck in a bubble basically on home ice last year and playing just 12 games and, and then leaving for the under-18. So he's finding that the that the WHL is more difficult than maybe he he would have anticipated. And I think you know for Lafreniere, anytime you're the number one pick, you're going to get that hype, but then you're always going to be compared to other first overall picks and that can be challenging when you think about a you know a Matthews or a McDavid and there's some recency there and so those are the guys that are often being compared to your first overall pick but you know there's no question that he's uh, he's extremely talented I think he's just starting to kind of find his way and to get moving here and, you know the one thing that we can talk about is nobody really knows for sure the kind of impact that COVID or the pandemic has had on people and not to say that he had the virus but you know, from a mental health perspective and, you know, all the hype and the draft that he had to go through, which was virtual and that sort of thing. Like no one knows what kind of impact that takes on the, on the long haul in terms of your, uh, your mental health. So I think he's a guy who's really just getting back up to speed, just starting to scratch the surface for what he can be, you know, on a Rangers team that's doing some pretty good things. So um, I still expect a, a lot more from Lafreniere. Sometimes we, because he's the first overall pick, we want it to happen sooner than, than time allows it to. Um, but sometimes you just have to let these things, uh, you know, take their course and, and then look at it at the end of the year and see how far he's progressed and, and think about, uh, you know, how good he's going to be moving forward. Yeah, that's true. I, I, it was your colleague. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank up Jeff Merrick, who has actually brought it up recently, um, on one of the 32 thoughts podcasts. And he said, like, think about it. Like a, you're a single player, you're a young, young guy in the NHL. Like you go to the rink, you go back to your apartment and that's kind of it. You don't. You're not allowed to mingle with anyone. You're not allowed to go out in the city. And I mean, like, imagine that for Lafreniere. That's just difficult. I think it was difficult for everyone just working regular jobs. Imagine being playing for the Rangers, being the number one pick. All that expectations. But that's a. It's a very good, very very good point. And yeah, just be patient. I mean, what's he? Twenty years old. <laughs> yeah, he, he's still he's still young. And he's probably not going to be a McDavid or a Matthews. And so those comparisons would definitely be unfair for him. But I do think he's a guy that, uh, you know, that's that's going to have some impact for sure down the road. It just uh, just needs some time. Of course. Of course. All right. I, I had all my questions through there. Do you guys have any closing remarks here? I just had one. Maybe this is like a selfish question from me. I just want to know, is there any maybe funny story or like a cool anecdote you can add. You've been covering the NHL draft for a long time and we're so interested in like the behind the scenes stuff. Is there any like funny story you can maybe add here at the end? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but anything that pops into your mind in terms of like just something maybe behind the scenes or something you heard or saw or any, really anything like going on with the NHL draft that people would like to hear. You know what though? Like it's kind of, you know, I put the game face on around that time. And yeah. so there's not a lot of shenanigans and not a lot of stuff that, 
you know, that really goes on behind the scenes that would make for any funny or interesting stories, unfortunately, because you're just so locked in on the job. So I will say this, there's one really, really cool story that maybe not so much of a funny story, but I think it speaks to, to what Berkey's all about. We worked together in the 2018 draft in Dallas and that was his first one. And, you know, he'd, uh, he'd been brought on board by Sportsnet, and I thought, oh, this is going to be the end of me. Like they have this big, powerful executive who's done everything in the game and he's probably just going to come and take my spot because he has a name and he's super opinionated and, and all of those things. And, um, I remember we got to Dallas and we'd spoken a couple of times before, but we got to Dallas and he said, Hey, Sammy, why don't you come downstairs and, and let's have lunch or coffee or, you know, or a drink or whatever and, and see what's going on. And so I said, yeah, that'd be great, Berkey. So we met downstairs and basically what he said to me was, Hey, listen, man, I know your reputation. I've talked to some people around the game. I'm not here to take your job. I'm here to work with you so that we can put the best show on possible. And that really put my mind at ease, right? Um, you know, I, I knew I was good at the job, uh, but to hear it from a guy who'd spoken to some people in the industry was, was flattering, number one. But number two, and more importantly, you know, he, he made sure right away that I was comfortable and didn't feel threatened by his presence on the show. So I have a great appreciation for that because he, he went out of his way to do that. And I guess that's kind of a, a cool story. Maybe not so much a funny one, but, but uh, a professional one for sure. No, I like that. That's probably better than a funny story. That's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, you always see Brian Burke, no tie, kind of grumpy looking guy. But to hear that story, that sort of side from him is uh, some awesome insight that I think everyone will appreciate. But Sam, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. You answered everything amazingly. Um, good luck calling the uh, calling your next game. Um, when which one is? And sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. But uh, you have a column every week on Sportsnet.com. You want to plug that? Yeah, we do. A, a, it's a, just a prospect notebook. First Wednesday of Wednesday of every month, we put out our draft rankings, and my next NHL game will be in Columbus Wednesday. Uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, so a team that I'm already somewhat familiar with, and uh, you know, getting an opportunity to work in another national game, uh, going to be a lot of fun. So, so looking forward to that opportunity again. All right, awesome. awesome! Thanks, Thanks again, again, Sam, and, and, and take, take care. care. And good, good luck, luck with the rest, the rest of the season. season. Hope, Hope to talk to you. Okay, Pez, Josh, Jason. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it.